This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. As you can see, if you're on YouTube, <laughs> Rahul and I are finally together for an episode. I think it's been a year since we've done this in person, right, Rahul? It has, and I can actually touch him. It's not a technology gimmick. It is actually real. So maybe the banter will be a little <laughs> different today. It's going to be a little bit more back and forth, hopefully. It's not been easy to be a Chelsea fan, and I think we've been saying this for the last month and a half, two months, all maybe. season, man. <laughs> Pretty much all season has been horrible. So, do you want to break down maybe the review of the most previous game against Arsenal? And listen, before you do that, I had a feeling we would turn our fortunes, we would come back in this game, we would do something. But yeah, let me let me pass it over to you. Why don't you take it take us through the starting eleven? It's it's interesting because I think. Every point at this season, we've been like, well, maybe this is the game where we'll show up and do something. Or maybe this is the game we'll show up and do something. And it hasn't. It hasn't been the case. And I don't know why. Maybe it's blind faith. Maybe it's just being a fan. And that's what we do is we hope. But it's a hope that kills you. Um, and no, it wasn't It wasn't this game. I don't think it's going to be any other games this season. And I'm actually genuinely concerned about next season, too. We'll talk a little bit about <laughs> the relegation fight in a minute. But... Let's jump into Arsenal. Do you want to take us through the starting eleven? Yes. So Kepa in goal, back four this time of Espelicueta, Bofana, Thiago Silva, and Ben Chilwa, which was an interesting switch because you know what we've we've been saying: go to a back three, go to a back three, and now we go to a back four. A midfield of Kante, Enzo, and Kovacic. I think that's kind of the standard midfield yep. we've been getting. And then Maduweke gets a start, and even more surprising, Aubameyang gets a start. And not as surprising as Sterling on the other side. Listen, it's interesting because all season long, no matter who the manager has been, who we start, Chelsea fans have a complaint. And I think what's important to note is we didn't get Mudrik. And I know a lot of Chelsea fans were calling for Mudrik to start this game. But we got Madueke, who is young, exciting, energetic, fast, full of energy. We got Aubameyang, who has some bad blood and some history <laughs> against Arsenal. And I don't think... Frank could have done much right or much wrong. And I think no matter who we pick, Chelsea fans are going to have an issue. And I think this is interesting, right? We pick Mudrik and people scream and say, he's not very good, he's poor, he's slow. But the next game when we don't pick him, there's the same complaint. So I'm not going to pick on Frank too much for the starting 11. I think he's got a strong midfield in Fernandez, Kante, and Kovacic. It seems to strike a balance. But I think maybe the starting 11 is where everything ends after that. There's not much more to say for the first 30 minutes other than it was carnage, man. It, it definitely was. It was, and I don't think we started off well. I mean, did we kick off? I can't remember at this point. But either way, I think we started off, and you could tell Arsenal were focused. Arsenal were the team that were up for it, and it's a London derby, and you and that's weird to say that Chelsea just weren't up for it, but that's been the case this season where. I don't know. It's I don't know what we're doing in training. We're, it sounds like we don't have much training because of just uh, recovery and moving to the next game. But Arsenal came into this game wanting to put their, I think, four games without a win, yeah. put, put that right and get back into the title race. And Chelsea came into this, was it five games without a win? <laughs> and there was no sign of we want to fix this, we want to change this. You and I were saying this is the game, you yeah. have to do it have faith, believe, stop Arsenal. We put out all those reels on Instagram. I think that it ended with our episode because it didn't make it out on the pitch. Look, I think that's what's important is we thought, we hoped maybe is, is a better word, that when you're playing Arsenal, a rival, a team that we've made so much fun of for years, at some point they're going to wake up. And I think you said that at some point in the season, something has to click. But we get into the game, and I'm looking at the stats here. It's crazy. I think 18 minutes in, Martin Odegaard scores. And to be honest with you, this is just my opinion. Most of the game is a blur, and I think it's just because it was so one-sided for that first half. It was just like, we are crumbling right now. So really quickly, Martin Odegaard in the 18th minute, 31st minute, he scores again. And you go, you know what, 2-0, we haven't scored two goals in a long time, <laughs> but maybe we can come back. 
But a few minutes later, Gabriel Jesus makes it 3 0 in the 34th minute. And I think at that point, the game's over. I'm not sure what else we could have done. The game was over in the 18th minute because (laughs) you know how fragile the confidence is, how fragile the the team is, really. When we concede the first goal, I don't, I can't remember the last time we came back from being a goal down. Uh, maybe Leicester, we we came back from being tied, but yeah. we were up and they they scored and we we took the second goal. So uh, as soon as Odegaard scored, and you have to ask questions, Jackie, because Odegaard kind of plays as that number ten, yeah. if you want to call it, um, and he plays in between the midfield and the defense. And with the three midfielders that we have, you expect someone to pick him up. But everyone kind of gets dragged towards the ball, which is out on on Aspilicueta's side. Raheem Sterling lets Odegaard float, and it's not just the first goal for me; it's the second goal, which is basically just a. You could just watch the first goal again for the <laughs> second goal and be like, it was basically the same thing where someone loses Odegaard in between the lines, and and that's what they do is they they see the space, they see Chelsea too wide, and I don't know if that's down to Lampard because we know we've had issues with defending with him. Or it's just the players who were like, well, we're one down. Uh, we don't have the confidence. So I don't think we're coming back. Right. And I don't, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, we come in week after week, and I know usually we're, we're screens apart, but this time even sitting together, I'm like, what, what more is there? Like, we could analyze this for days and yeah. nothing, like, nothing's changing. For this week, we had to bring a little adult beverage <laughs> along to maybe mourn our sorrows a little bit and kind of figure out what's going on. Let's talk about Frank Lampard for just a minute because. He has been a topic that's come up week after week after week. And some Chelsea fans, myself, will always love Frank Lampard. I know you will as well for what he did for us as a player. And in fact, even his first season as a manager, I thought he did very well to get us into into a good spot given all the challenges we had at that point in time. He's had one win in 19, maybe 20 Premier League games (laughs) at this point in time. We struggled under Graham Potter with the fact that we could not score goals, but we had a relatively good defense. I mean, we were we were drawing games. Yeah, Frank comes in, and the Frank we remember, Rahul, was 4-4 against Ajax. And so <laughs> I think here's four goals coming in. Okay, we'll concede four, but football's going to get exciting. We've gotten worse. We concede goals, and we can't score. It's, it's the worst match made in hell, dare I say. And I, I hate speaking ill about Frank because I love Frank. What are your thoughts on him? And I think it's important for, for me to bring up this discussion because is it Frank's tactics alone or are these players just – have they just given up? I think that's a, it's a great question and it's got to be a little bit of both, yeah. right? Because you, you have tactics. You trust the players to go out and perform to those tactics. But then I, I look at it and I'm like, this isn't the first time we've had an interim manager, right? In the past, we've had Hitting come in. We have Di Matteo who came in and won us the Champions League. So every time there's a managerial change, you expect there to be a reaction. You expect there to be players performing. You yeah. expect players to to pull it up a little bit. Jackie, this this interim experiment in this case, six games now, <laughs> no wins, and. You can't just say, yeah, it's all on Lampard. Of course it is on Lampard because you look back and you look at the Everton record that he's had, and I think it was one win in like 12 before this. Um, So yes, a part of the blame is on Lampard, but I mean, we're talking about World Cup winners here, Angolo Conte, Enzo. We're talking about players that won the Champions League just two years ago within this squad, and now we can't find a win. And we like, if Todd Bowley wanted to buy a win... I don't think we could buy one either. <laughs> it's got to a very difficult point in time, and I don't see it getting better. We'll talk about Bournemouth maybe a little bit later here and figure out what's going on there. But for this particular situation, you kind of look at it and you go, I'm not sure what was going to happen in that second half, and I think Frank probably didn't know either. But let's talk about our best goal of the month, our worst goal <laughs> of the month, our only goal of the month, I guess is the easy way to say that, and... Nani Madueke, and I want to bring him up because I'm pleased for him, for the young man. And I said it earlier, is he always offers a bright spark. He's always running. He's always bringing that energy. Not the prettiest goal, maybe I'll say, is he, he kind of bundles it in. But he works for that goal, and it's what we've been looking for this season. It, it absolutely has. And you even look at that before in the game, he was a little more direct. He was trying to drive at the players. At one point, I think he took on four or five of their players on that uh, right-hand side and made it into the box or maybe a little bit outside. 
couldn't get across in. But he always had that yeah. drive to be like, the boss has trusted me with this game. I've, I'm playing for Chelsea. I'm playing for against Arsenal, the London Derby. I want to make something happen. It's just unfortunate that there was 10 other people that <laughs> didn't have that same drive or, or desire because even if we had that from two or three of the other guys, I'm not saying we win this game, but maybe it's a little more difficult yeah. for Arsenal where after, what was it, 31 minutes, 34 yeah. minutes, the game's over. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what makes it difficult is, in my opinion, there's a little bit of maybe toxic bleed. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but if you have a few bad eggs in the mix, and I, and I don't know who they are. I'm not saying it's player A or player B, but obviously we have a very big squad. Some of them don't want to be here. And there's a lot of rumors coming out of the Chelsea camp recently. And the jokes go on and on and on, my friends. Like, well, there's seats for 22 players in the dressing room, but we have 30 coming in. So some have to sit on the floor or some have to change outside. And I don't know how much of it is true. But at some point, if you're that guy that gets kicked out at the dressing room or has to sit on the floor, you're going to share your displeasure at being at a multi-million dollar club, making hundreds of thousands of dollars pounds a week and you don't have a place to change it's just going to breed that toxicity and i hope i hope it doesn't stick by that i know we have to have a big clean out this summer i know we have to make changes and the players that stick behind i hope they can come in with fresh mentalities and fresh minds and not have to do this but coming back to the arsenal game Rahul, one thing i did notice is we have been pretty good all season with having a good amount of possession for the first time in a game i think we went under the maximum position or, or, or the majority team controlling the game. And it just looked like there's not much more we can say or do at this point. We're just kind of struggling. We, we just have to get to the end of the season, honestly, yeah. because um, I think we come in week after week and we're like, let's be positive and let's Chelsea going to turn, turn it around at some point. And they're not Jackie. I, I, I really don't see where and how this turns around. Now, I sit here and say that I'm sure this weekend they'll turn it around <laughs> and suddenly we'll be like, whoa. But it it's one of those things where fans are like, something's at, at some point, something's got to change, right? Yeah. Something's got to give. We've got to get a fluke goal or two. The other team maybe get a red card. Like, you know how crazy football yeah. is. And none of, none of that is going in our favor at this point. Even the goal we score, yes, at that point, it's 3-1. Well, I, I don't remember what time it was, but... It was pretty early in that second half yep. where you could say, if Chelsea get the next one here, they could make it uncomfortable. But we never did. And I don't know. I'm mean, like, Bournemouth's coming up after that. Nottingham Forest, Man City, Man United, Newcastle. So really, if we, we need to solidify our position in this league, it has to be in the next two games. Because after that, you can't see how this squad, this team with Lampard and, and everything that's happened this season go away to Man City and United and then play Newcastle at the home and pick up any points. I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, at the risk of talking about relegation, let, let's save that conversation for a little bit later in the segment. Let's talk about a couple of players. Obama Young got a hard time with the Arsenal fans, and, and I think we knew that was going to happen. He has to rise to the occasion. Unfortunately, he doesn't. And Mudrik, another one that comes on in the second half and gets a little bit of stick from the Arsenal fans, and maybe rightly so. He was supposed to go there for anyone who doesn't know, and Chelsea come in last moment and sign him eight years or nine <laughs> years at this point, and you've got to wonder if he's probably thinking in his head, did I come to the right club after watching that performance? But let's talk about what's going on with Chelsea in the relegation battle, because I think that's important to kind of discuss. And I know you don't want to talk about it, but mathematically, it is possible, possible for us to get relegated. So... What are your thoughts on this and how we think this is going to play out? It's it's bizarre, Jackie, because, I mean, we've seen us, you and I have watched, and, and I'm sure a lot of the other fans that have come along for Chelsea have seen Chelsea title, top four, okay, top six, top eight, top 10, if you look at 2016. But this is really a bizarre situation where we sit in 12th. Yeah. And there's a scenario where we could end up in 18th and go down where it's it's a very high probability because for that to happen, you're you're almost saying the teams below us yeah. have to win three of the last four games where they're below us for a reason because they've they've also not been good enough. But boy, if that happens, 
there's going to be some major questions to be answered, not just by Lampard, not just by the players, but by the owners, by the officials that they've brought in. Because a club like Chelsea, it's it's almost like you, we've seen Juventus go yeah. down in the past, right? But that's because they've had points deduction yep. Yep. or they've had penalties placed against them where they've been found guilty of doing certain things. This is all of our own doing where we would literally be like, we messed up so bad where even Tuchel's 10 points from this season were not good enough to keep us in the league. And I, I can't imagine it because think about an Enzo who signs for us yeah. three months ago, comes off a World Cup win six months later is like, uh, <laughs> I was supposed to be playing in the best league in the world. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to happen, but there's obviously a scenario out there and we just have to be aware and, and mindful of it because if we don't pick up, like I said, if we don't pick up points in the next two games, we're, we're looking at it a, a real possibility here. So we do have a game in hand, which is important to note. I think United that actually, away. United <laughs> away, which it does help having a game in hand. And I know United away is the game in hand, but that means we have an extra game over some of our rivals. And I'm hopeful that means we can do something with it. But the reason I brought up this conversation is that for maybe the last six to eight weeks, we joked about, yeah, Chelsea could get relegated. But the more we go winless the more that becomes a reality. And I know we're laughing and we're joking, but honestly, it's a fear of mine that this is the mighty Chelsea football. And I, and I don't mean that facetiously. I think we have been a mighty football club for 20-odd years at this point in time that the thought of us even flirting with relegation is a very scary feeling for me. It's like, okay, we'll go to the championship, and that's one thing where, like, these superstars can win the championship. But in reality, Rahul, like, if they keep playing like this, what does it matter if you're playing a championship team or not? We're just not doing good enough week in, week out. And I'm looking down here and I'm looking at Everton with 29 points, Nottingham with 30, Leeds with 30, Leicester with 30. Those are the ones that are touted to be in the bottom. Of course, Southampton with 24. And we're with 39 points and we've been there for week <laughs> after week after week. So, yes, nine points is a lot to go through. And, yes, you've got to win three games. But I don't see us winning many games either, which is why this discussion comes up. So... Realistically, I don't know if it'll happen, but I think it's worth the discussion as to what would we do if we were here. But maybe that's a discussion for another day. Do you have some thoughts on, on Chelsea and anything else around this topic? If it gets to that point, Jackie, I I can't even bring myself to, to say you know what I'm going to say, but it's, it's going to be tough. And yeah. imagine the banter. I mean, we've had banter this season from tons of rival fans, but imagine the banter and then... And it's not a guarantee. I mean, we've seen right. Newcastle go down and, of course, they bounce back. Right. But we've seen, I think, a Fulham kind of play yo-yo where they just yeah. keep going up and down. And, of course, Chelsea aren't set up that way. But I'm sure some of these players do have, even though even though it was unimaginable <laughs> when they signed the contract, some clauses in there yeah. around relegation because you, you just never know. We maybe could lose some players just based on the fact that they, they don't want to be in this situation and I bring Juventus back into yeah. it, but I think Buffon stayed when you know they had their whole scandal and and they were knocked down. But that's because he was committed and, yeah. and had a long term relationship with the club. I'm looking at a current squad, and yeah, maybe a Reese James, a Loftus Cheek, a Mason Mount, who by the way will will probably leave on a free the following <laughs> year, um, would want to stay. But it's it's just unimaginable, and and I honestly want us to come out in the next two games. And just pick up one, two yeah. points. Let's just get over this 40-point mark. Because it, luckily we're running out of games, which is good. Because if maybe we had 10 more games, uh, I would be losing some hair. Listen, the joke we make about playing on at Stoke on a rainy Wednesday night <laughs> becomes a reality, which is no disrespect to Stoke. It's just the jokes that we've been making for a long time. But it is a scary reality to think of and what we've invested in this football club and what would end up being of this football club because you've got to imagine that yeah a lot of these guys would leave and then what happens and how do you come back up but i don't want to talk about that topic too much more because it's giving me anxiety and we'll figure <laughs> out how to get past that in a little bit but ultimately we lose that game we're struggling we're sitting in 12th with 39 points which is already crazy enough let's talk about the managerial changes that are coming at this point it seems like Maurizio pochettino would be the guy coming and i know we've talked a little bit about him if we continue in this form, and I think I've asked you this before, but it's 
we're taking Chelsea day by minute by minute at this point in time with how we're <laughs> behaving. Does it even make sense for him to come in and try and change things at this point if we're struggling and maybe lose a couple more games? You mean if he takes over like earlier than waiting till the summertime? It doesn't make any sense because the way we're going to have a fifth manager this season to come in and and save us from getting relegated. I I think it would honestly Yes, maybe we would get a boost, but we thought we'd get a boost from Lampard. We thought we'd get a boost from Potter, which we did for about six weeks. Um, so if I was Pochettino, I'm looking and I'm like, if you survive, then yes, let's talk about you know finalizing these details. But let me see where you end up. Yeah. Because imagine he comes in, we get relegated. What's he going to stay with us in the championship? I highly doubt so. <laughs> um, so I would... I. Honestly, I think Lampard should just see the season out just because we know it's very, very highly unlikely that we would get relegated. Uh, and maybe if we he saves us, we could see him from the scenes we saw last year with Everton where he's up on the terrace and the fans have taken over the, the pitch, which honestly wouldn't be a bad thing at the bridge at this point because it would have something celebrating. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I would wait if I was Pochettino. I'd wait if I was the club because five managers in the seat, like the... The players are going to be confused at this point. Like, you want to play a back four, you want to play a back yeah. three, you want yeah. to play, I don't know, a striker, you don't want to play a striker, you want to play a holding, whatever, right? So just let Pochettino come in in the summer. And that's not it, Jackie. I've said this before. Pochettino is one piece that comes in and fixes an issue that we've had all season once Tuchel left. But he still can't manage 30, 32, no. 33 players. So that's one piece that needs to be fixed. There's players coming back from loan that need to be addressed. We need a striker that we've spoken about. Is it Lukaku? Is it someone else? There's still key positions yep. in this field, in this, in this game, uh, in this team. I beg your pardon. That need to be addressed, and we can't do that right now because we don't have a manager. We need to move players on, and it's almost like last year where we were in that takeover phase, and we couldn't do anything for the summer until that was done, and we yep. were almost behind the eight ball where. Okay, now we have to sign a Sterling. We have to sign a Koulibaly. We have to bring Aubameyang on the last day. And it's, it's just a mess and it's chaotic. One of the best seasons we had in the last 10 years is, is that Jose Mourinho second season where yep. Costa and Fabregas were done in June. Yep. And we said, they're coming in. We have a good squad. We're going to push for the title. And we pushed for the title. And we were first from the first day to the last day of the season. Yep. Of course, the next season didn't go, go to plan. But... <laughs> When you do your business early, yep. it allows a coach to come in and focus and, and get things in place versus the chaos of he's leaving, but that one's coming, but he's going to be going, but that one's going on loan, and who are we bringing? It's, I, I really want to avoid that this season, but I don't think we will. Yeah, and listen, I don't want to get too deep into transfer talk right now because I know there's going to be a crazy exit at the very least in Stamford Bridge in the summertime. But I remember when you, you and I followed Chelsea in the summertime they were already here for preseason and Raheem Sterling was signed while they were in preseason and Koulibaly was not ready and Kukurea had just come in. And even after preseason's over and we're playing Champions League nights, Obama Yang is getting signed last minute. So lots of changes that were happening and going on that dragged out. And so hopefully the team, and I don't say the ownership, I say the team have a plan to offload as many players as they can as soon as possible. But if they do want to bring in some players, if we can afford it, if we're in the Premier League, we can cross that bridge and try and get it done sooner. But listen, let's stop talking about Chelsea because I'm out of my adult beverage here and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to need that to continue talking about Chelsea. Let's talk about some of our rivals or who we used to call our rivals. I want to start with a rival that was having a bad season but has seemed to turn it around. And they had similar struggles to us in the fact that they couldn't string together wins. Goals were hard to come by. They signed a new striker and was not making it work. But... They're sitting fifth in the table now, and that's Liverpool. Liverpool versus Fulham. Jurgen Klopp has some interesting personality things, and maybe we can talk about that in a minute. But what do you make of him turning it around so far with the issues, with the complaints he's had so far this season? Look, it's been a it's been a tough season for them. I think they come off of being this close to a quadruple uh, last season, and and obviously they lose Mane. They bring in you you alluded to a Darwin Nunes. Um, and they brought him in early if, if they were talking about signing <laughs> players early. Uh, and, and it still hasn't worked out. But you've seen flashes. You've yeah. seen moments where he has gotten goals. He has gotten assists. But I think as fans, and especially in the Premier League, 
when you sign someone for big money, not just the club fans, but everyone outside yeah. is like, if he doesn't perform in the next three games, he's a flop. Yeah. And imagine you going to work, right? And you show up for three <laughs> days and you're still training, you're still learning, you're still adjusting. And they give you a, a project and they're like, go fix it. And you can't, and you're, they deem you a flop. That's going to yeah. affect you mentally. That's yeah. going to affect you uh, in, in the long term. And I think that's what happens. I mean, it's happened to our players a lot. But I think Nunes has come back. Klopp has kind of worked his way back in terms of, yes, we've had injuries. Yes, we've had issues. We don't have a midfield that we want to work with. But we're going we're gonna to make the best of what we got. And yes, we have to win games 4-3 against a Tottenham last week, or we have to win games a 1-0 against a Fulham, which Fulham really is our rival at this point, not Liverpool. <laughs> uh, but they get it done, right? And yeah. you can say they're lucky, VAR, referees <clears throat> help them. But they get it done. And, and what does that tell you is they can score goals, and we can't. And I think that's the major difference is in a game where Chelsea maybe is down 3-3 or is tied up 3-3, they probably end up drawing that where Liverpool, with the mistakes, still score, right? So it comes down to goal scoring, and, and that's been our biggest issue. And maybe a little more resilience, a little bit of, of ability to bounce back from a tough patch in the season. I feel like we had our tough patch towards the end of, well, towards the before the World Cup, and we weren't able to dig our way out of it. We had a little bit of a breather there, but just were not able to. I think with, with Jurgen Klopp also, you kind of get what you see every day. Jurgen Klopp kind of wears his heart on his on his sleeve. He said some interesting things about referees and what they said to him. He celebrated pulls his hamstring early <laughs> on in the week as well. So he's a passionate manager, and I think that's what we're looking for in the next manager we get into. But I don't want to dive too deep into some of the, the refereeing decisions and stuff that went on. Let's move on and talk about Manchester City. They have set the precedence, and they have figured out towards the second half of the season, how to win a league. For the longest time, we said this was Arsenal's league to lose. And I'm not trying to jinx <laughs> it, but I think they've lost it. And now it's Manchester City's league to lose at this point in time. So 3-0, business as usual. But I want you to talk a little bit about the mercurial <laughs> Erling Haaland. And what would, what would a Chelsea season be if he had joined us? We would ruin him. <laughs> <laughs> He would not be breaking the Premier League goal-scoring <laughs> record. He would not be the, the golden boot winner, even though he has been crowned. I think he's pretty close. Yeah. Um, and look, we I think last season, or right after we won the Champions League, we were in for Holland. I think yeah. we were even like, we'll pay above the, the release clause. Let's work something out. We didn't. And ultimately, he goes to, to Man City and... Man City, Jackie, played without a striker for two, maybe three seasons. And yep. you can say Jesus was there. Sure. But they didn't use him as a striker. They put him out on the right. You could say they played a false nine. When, and when you have a false nine of maybe a De Bruyne or Gundogan or even a Sterling in a City shirt, it's a whole different ball game. Sure, it is. But you put in the Holland in there. And, and this is they, – they played in the Community Shield, Jackie, and he missed a, a, yep. a, a sitter. He's a flop. He's going to have the worst <laughs> season ever. He's not going to cut it. He's not meant for the Premier 35 goals with five games to go. Anyone that disrespected him needs to look at themselves and needs to maybe even like apologize to the guy because, sure, he, he could be anonymous for 99% of the game, but that 1% where you need him, he's going to score. And that's what happened in that West Ham game where I think he was struggling. They did well to keep him out. But that one ball that they slid into him, what a finish, Jackie. He lobs it over the, the goalie. And, and I think we've seen it where we've had strikers where maybe they second guess and they yep. say, do I chip him? Do I go around him? And by then, the, the opportunity is gone. He knew immediately what he wanted to do. As soon as he looks up, the goalie's coming out. He's like, I'm going to chip him. And that's what I'm going to do. And what I'd do for a goal-scoring player like that. But I think City are... They're just... A foundation is yeah. there where... It doesn't matter who you are. You could be the best player. You could be the, have the best potential coming up. You come into that squad, you work hard, you're going to perform and do well. With Haaland, the one thing that gets to me is his mentality. And I think you touched on Darwin Nunez, and I don't think it was in negative form. You said he had a bad start to the season. And I don't even think it was bad. He was missing a couple of games or a couple of goals, and he was labeled a flop. 
And it's happened to many, many a player. And Chelsea have had so many strikers that have been labeled a flop. And they've had little spurts of good times and it just goes bad. With Haaland, I think he was labeled a flop several times. When he misses a sitter in the first time, he's a flop. He starts to get into this rhythm of scoring goals. Oh, but he can bring in the other team players <laughs> into the game. Oh, he's a flop. He's not that type of player. He works on that. He brings that in. Oh, he's a flop. Oh, he's not going to do it in the Champions League scene. Five goals in one game, and he still wants more. And I think, for me, every time someone, the media specifically, goes out and attacks him and says he's a flop or he can't do this or he's weak at this, it's almost like he hears it and says, I'm going to take that and work on it and become an even better player. And, and that's all I've seen this season. And if they win this Premier League, will it be down to Holland? No. Manchester City know how to win Premier Leagues, but they're going in for a historic treble, which is very, very scary for me. And I think for Man United fans, why they have been the history of a team who's done that, I'm sure it's probably not fun for them to hear their noisy neighbors about to or possibly about to do this. So for us, given the season that we're having and it's so poor, <laughs> it's admirable. It's admirable to watch that what can be done with the right project when it's built correctly and given a foundation to kind of flow from. I, I 100% agree. And there has to be a lot of reflection from this season by everyone involved at Chelsea because we we want to be at these heights. We want to be challenging for the title. We can't do that without the right foundation and the base that we can build off of. And this summer, this this next season has to provide that foundation. Yeah. I'm not saying we need to go win everything that we're in for next season and do a domestic treble, but we certainly can't be sitting in 12th or lower uh, at this point of the season and talking about relegation because that's just not what Chelsea are about. It definitely is not. But speaking of foundations, there's a very strong foundation that was built by our very own <laughs> Graham Potter at Brighton. We like that foundation so much that Todd Bowley spent $21 million to bring that mind and that design over to Chelsea. We know how that ended, but that foundation was left behind at Brighton. They bring in De Zerbi, Rahul, 1-0 against Manchester United, who another team who had found a way to come back strong this season, but Brighton are a whole other beast this season, aren't they? Brighton are... My other team. <laughs> to, quote, Todd Bowley. No, I'm kidding. But I think you said it right. The foundations were there. They went away to United first game of the season, I believe, and beat them. Yeah. And that was under Potter. And I think that, that suddenly rose the stock even more. Um, but they work hard, Jackie. It's, yeah. it's not just about having the foundation, but look at players like Caicedo. Mm -hmm. I think he's 22. You look at... Uh, the guy who scored against us, and 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 or yeah. something like that. He's 22 or 21. McAllister, who's 22 or 21. Kukurea, who was there but not longer, and they replaced him with Estupian. These are players that no one would have thought of or picked yeah. up. It's almost like when Lester brought in Angolo Conte and Mares and said, we're, we're, "You know, we're just going to uh, try it out." And they turned out to be world-class players. And and Brighton are not just doing it with players, but they have the right foundation. They fight for each other. Lewis Dunk, Jackie. Yeah. I think maybe a season or two ago, people were like, not good enough, not shouldn't be there. He most likely deserves an England call-up at this yeah. point just because of what he's done this season. Mm -hmm. So you've got to give them credit. You've got to give Deserby credit because when he first came in, I think he had a little bit of a rocky start. But he faced Chelsea in that October period and won four nil. And since then, they've been they've been flying. And I, honestly, if it wasn't for a couple of dodgy refereeing decisions, yeah. I think they would be even higher in the table. And I think they would be worthy of that position in the table because not only are they a solid team, they play very attractive football. I think it's fun to watch them. And I think they have figured out what they want out of a team. And just to kind of stretch a little bit on the young players you're saying, and they recruit so well. But they also have the likes of Danny Welbeck in the mix, who a lot of people said was a finished player, chipping in with goals where he needs to, 33-34. He's on the opposite end, maybe being that senior leader. And you see some of the players that they're going for in the market, and you go, unknown, young, lots of potential. But then James Milner is being linked with them now, and you go... He's, he's signed. Yeah, 37, yeah. 38 years old. Why? Because they're trying to find that balance of, we do want the core of youth, 
but you need someone who's been there, done that. And, and James Milner's not going to play 38 games a season for them, and I could be could be eating <laughs> humble pie next season with an injury and he's playing. But but he's there to lead these youngsters and show them what it is to be a professional because at 38, to be the way James Milner is fit and still in the Premier League, he's certainly doing a few things right. So He he is. And and even if you look at just the Chelsea boys at Brighton, Levi Colwell yeah. and Billy Gilmore, People are like, why aren't they playing at Chelsea? <laughs> and and that, that's a credit to them, but also to the setup, which allows young players to go there and perform and and show what they can do. If you make a mistake, that's fine. Your teammate will help you out. Your goalie will help you out. And your manager is not going to hold that against you. Or the fans aren't going to be like, well, Billy Gilmore made a mistake and he shouldn't be playing the next game. Bring someone else in. And honestly, I think that's what we... as We've spoken about the club, but I think as fans... Yeah. We need to be a little more patient too, because if a Mudrik has six bad games, seven bad games, it's not just on the pitch, but he's moved to a whole new country. Think about his his mindset. He was wearing Arsenal pajamas, and the next day they were like, "You're going to Chelsea," and here's an eight year contract. And he's like, "Okay, I'll do it because this this is a great opportunity." But it it takes a little bit of time yeah. to to get around and and settle in. So. I'm I'm really hoping that as fans we take the season and we learn a little bit to to just eat some humble pie like you said uh, because we can't just continuously talk about players in a negative form or, or or banter them because they see it they read it yeah let's support our guys let's support them and give them the the necessary tools that they can mentally go into the pitch and perform and make the club proud so Brighton congratulations I, I really wish that. You do get a Champions League spot. I think it's going to be tough, but we'll we'll wait and watch. Well said, my friend. And not only is it as fans that we have to be patient, as fans in the last six months, I feel like we've been humbled so much. And I think Rahul and I went out today to run an errand together, and he's wearing his Chelsea jacket. And immediately people notice us and say, I'm sorry you're a Chelsea yeah. fan. And it's coming from a Leicester fan, mind you guys, which is absolutely incredible to me. I'm sitting at work today. I have a little Chelsea logo in my backpack and fans across the table are Newcastle fans. <laughs> and they said, Ooh, let's not talk too much about football. He's a Chelsea fan. It's not going good for them. So we're getting humbled. Our culture of winning is going to be humbled for the short term future. I'll say that much till we figure things out, but we have to kind of figure it out together as we go through on this journey. Let's transition. Let's talk about the next fixture. And we're playing Bournemouth. Bournemouth are at home. I'm not so sure how we're going to preview this game. So I'll pass it over to you to give your <laughs> thoughts to, to share for a minute first. Oh, man. Bournemouth are a bogey team, if you if you want to say that. I, It's rare that we go away and win there. I mean, I'm thinking about back to the Sarri season where we lost 4-0. And I thought it couldn't get worse at that point. Fast forward four years later, and I'm like, this is going to be tough going away to Bournemouth because... I think a lot of people, including yourself and, and, and me, for this season predicted Bournemouth to to go down right away. Yeah. I think we thought they'd be bottom of the league, which they were at the beginning of the season. But I believe it's Gary O'Neill, who's their current manager, and he's turned it around in a, in a great way, Jackie, because they said level on points with Chelsea. And, and even to say that, you must think, well, Bournemouth must be having a great season if they're level on points with Chelsea. But... No, Chelsea are having a horrible season and, and Bournemouth are just doing enough to to get through over the line. I think they just beat Tottenham. They've been getting points at home. They go away, they pick up points. And this is a game that couldn't have come at a much, much worse time for Chelsea because they're not going to make it easy and I think we're going to crumble as quickly as we did in the past few games. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bournemouth have also changed managers this season. Right. I think they started off... I know you said they started off slow, but they started off with the manager, Scott Parker, I believe. Right. And things didn't go quite his 9-0. way. 9-0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't go quite his way, and they brought in a manager. And while we do say the manager makes a change and Graham Potter made a change for a little bit, these players looked at themselves and said, we can't be in the Premier League getting beat that shamelessly. Like, it doesn't make sense. And so coming back to them, it's one of those situations where I think we have to be very, very careful because – there's a lot of jokes going on online about Frank <laughs> Lampard, and I bring him back to the mix, right? He could be the first 007 manager for Chelsea, which is <laughs> zero wins, zero draws, seven losses. And I think we say this funny and we try to keep it lighthearted, but 
seven losses in a row for a manager that's come in to try and help us. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about Frank for just a quick second here again. What does this do for his stock if he continues in this vein? Is he going to be able to get another forget Premier League manager job? Will he ever go back into management? Or are they going to say, you know, Frank is washed up, he's untouchable, he needs to go back and be a, a pundit again? I mean, I you would think that that this is it. I mean, if Frank wasn't British or English and wasn't a legend of of Chelsea and even just in general in in terms of footballing, I I think that you would definitely say this is it. But you just don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Javi Garcia who failed before at Watford, shows up at Leeds, gets fired again. <laughs> Sam Allardyce is in. Um, so you just don't know. But I honestly, I mean, we've seen Frank Lampard growing up, right? And you you hear the interviews, you you see him in the in the press. He always comes off as a person that's very smart, very yeah. intelligent. And for him to be going through this patch without making some changes or or taking up jobs that are questionable, like Everton last season when they were struggling, of course he saves them, stays with them, gets fired. Comes back to Chelsea, and I'm like, why, Frank? We, I mean, I love the man, right? But I love the player. Frank, the manager, is a different question. And I think I'm like, why, Frank? Why are you doing this to yourself? Just, just take a step back, and and maybe it's the pride, it's the ego. Yeah. I don't know, but honestly, I don't see him coming back into any top level job in in England. I might be wrong, and that's tough to admit, right? Because I think. While we do recognize Frank has not been a great manager in the last two and a half years, obviously second season in Chelsea, Everton, and now the most recent 007 upcoming, which I hope is not upcoming. I'm just being facetious. But it does seem like a disappointing way to go out. And I think in my head, he probably took this Chelsea job, yes, to help us, which I know I'll be forever grateful. I don't know if I'm going to be grateful because of the situation, but happy that he was able to step in when we need him. But I wonder... If it sits in his mind and says, yeah, this is going to be it for me, <laughs> wouldn't you want to go out on a high? And maybe he's trying everything he can. Maybe he is. I don't know. But it's getting to the part of the segment, Rahul, where it's difficult. Let's let's do a predicted 11. Frank's done a back three. He's done a back four. He's played a whole mix of players. We're playing Bournemouth away. Who do you have in goal? Let's start over there. I think it's, it's going to be Kepa. He's kind of stuck with him which is interesting because he was the one who bought mendy yep uh so clearly something's not right (laughs) behind the scenes with mendy too but he has been on the bench he has been available for a while now so at this point just try mendy i mean not that keppa has been wrong for these goals but you just i mean something something's got to change somewhere (laughs) nothing's working so let's put a new goalkeeper (laughs) in and see if he changes anything all right, so for the sake of argument, Mendy goes in goal just to make a difference. Back three, back four? I'm, I'm back three for me. I mean, at, at least let's make it a little more difficult for okay. for Bournemouth. Who are the three you're going to go with? Fofana, Thiago Silva, and Badishila. We found it difficult to bring Badishila into the mix, and I don't know if that means with a four he gets dropped out and maybe with a three he comes back in. I, I'm not sure if Kukureya finds a way back into this squad. He's injured. Then, you're, you said that so quickly. You're like, he's out of there. I'm not I'm not having him there. So great. We're going to have Badia Shield, Thiago Silva, and Fofana right wing back. Loftus-Cheek. Okay. So you're going to go with Loftus-Cheek. You're not happy with Aspilicueta's performances? It's not that I'm not happy. <laughs> but I'm not happy. <laughs> and I think that's fair. You know, Aspilicueta has been a fantastic captain and servant. He's probably lacking the pace and physicality to play that wing-back position. So Ruben Loftus-Cheek it is at right wing-back. Left wing-back, Ben Chilwell, I guess. Ben Chilwell stays in there. So that means you're probably going with a midfield two then? Yeah. I mean, the pivot, right? The pivot. So Enzo and Conte, I assume. That's what I'd like. But it seems like Frank prefers the number eight jersey. (laughs) So he keeps finding Kovacic in there. Let's talk about Kovacic for just a quick minute. He's being linked with Bayern Munich. He's being linked with Manchester City. He's not having a good season. Then again, none of our players are having a good season. If you're getting a good offer for Mateo Kovacic this summer, are you letting him go? I'm not. 
So there's still faith there for Mateo Kovacic. Well, because this season has been crap for everyone. Yeah, right. Fair. So, like, for me to be like, yeah, let's just sell Kovacic without having a replacement doesn't make sense. So, keep. I mean, we've seen what Kovacic can do, yeah. and when a team is firing and, and performing, he's he's brilliant. He progresses the ball. He once in a while scores a wonder goal, right? So, I would keep him, and we still need to address the midfield positioning. Yeah. But I think I would keep Kovacic as well as Enzo and Conte. So it sounds like it's going to be a Enzo and Kovacic pivot, and I think that's important because. You have a front three. I'm not. I'm not. Playing, I'm not playing Conte in the front three. <laughs> so who are you playing in the front three then? Yeah, I'd like to see Kai in the middle because okay. you saw even in the Arsenal game, he just allows a little more mobility and, and movement from the wingers around yep. him. So Mudrik on the other side and Madueke, if he's fit, I know he went out with the cramp, but if Madueke is fit, I would play him because. If he's fit and you don't play him after the performance against Arsenal, you're just hurting his confidence. Yeah, and I think you're trying to build for the future at this point in time. And I think regardless of who our manager is, you've spent a considerable amount of money, signed long-term contracts with these guys. And so we're not winning with the existing players. We're not winning with Kante up high. We're not winning with Gallagher up high. So play the guys that are in these positions and see what they can do. So we try and go with a Mudrik. We try and go with a Matuweke. We try and build their confidence. And hopefully they can pinch a goal here or there. And I think that would do, do not just their confidence a world of good, but we have another competitor for goal of the month, which would be absolutely brilliant <laughs> to say. So uh, speaking of goal of the month, what is your score prediction so we can get towards the end of this segment here? I've been positive. I've been negative. I've been neutral. <laughs> oh, man. Bournemouth away... I think Bournemouth win it. You heard it here first, guys. 3-1. We've, we've, we've gone from the prayers and the hope against Arsenal to losing to Bournemouth. And I think the way we're playing these days, it's very, very difficult to kind of see the light to the end of the tunnel. And I, and I hope we get there sooner rather than later. I'm going to go for a 1-0 win to Four. Bournemouth. <laughs> I'd like to see us maybe stop leaking too many goals and... The way Arsenal kind of dismantled us in the first 30-odd minutes was not comfortable to watch. So I'd like to see a hard-fought battle. And I, unfortunately, I don't see a scoring yet, but 1-0 to Bournemouth. Hey, you know what it is, though, right? Like, when we go up against these lesser teams... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to them, it's still Chelsea. It's yeah. still the, the Chelsea of winning Premier Leagues and Champions League. And yes, we are, but not behind the scenes and not on the pitch. So... They up their game, which is you would expect that. But when they up their game, we don't up our game. We actually drop our game. And they just come out and outperform us, outplay us, and, and get the win. So at this point, I think it's all going to come down to this Nottingham Forest game next week because it's really a six relegation yeah. six-pointer, as they say. Uh, so I think we drop points to Bournemouth, and then we throw everything against Nottingham Forest and survive and, and just close this chapter. I'm starting to sweat a little bit because... <laughs> We had the discussion of relegation and it's come back up again. And even talking about losing to Bournemouth is just another step in the wrong direction. And it's just digging us deeper. Bournemouth would go over us. Yeah, they would. And so we just <laughs> we just drag into the this whole fight. And it doesn't sit easy with me. But I'll pass it back over to you for your wrapping thoughts and to take us home. Look, it's not been easy. But there is one team that is making it easy and, and interesting, and that's the women's team. And before go. we wrap it up, I just want to touch on their game from this midweek. They came out of that Barcelona game where they lost, all focused on the, the WSL against Liverpool, who beat us earlier this season. And we didn't have the best start. We conceded after two minutes, Jackie. Uh, but that's 90 or 88 minutes, you could say, remaining for Chelsea to do what they do, and that is what they did. A goal from Neam Charles in the 41st minute. And then we really were getting nervous, getting getting a little <laughs> like, whoa, it's going to be an interesting finish to the end of the season. And then Sam Kerr. In Who else? The, well, exactly. And, and it's not that she did all the work. Yeah. I think the ball bounces off the crossbar and falls to her, and she's just quick. And, and that's what you expect from your striker. In the 86th minute, puts it in the back of the net, goes 2-1 up. And we see it out, and now we still have games in hand, which puts the destiny of the title in our hand. But please don't do this again, because <laughs> just win comfortably so that we don't have to be sitting there biting our nails and wondering what's going to happen. 
because we've had enough of that on the other side. It's been a tough season on the men's side, but I think we said the women find a way to bounce back from difficult times and difficult moments. And so while we did acknowledge that the Champions League loss was hard to take, I think while we made it difficult for ourselves and maybe dragged it out, I think it's important that we continue to win these and look, Rahul, it'd be nice to add another trophy on, on a season where we're seeing the men struggle, but the women have just kept the consistency for us. They have, and they have a game against Everton this weekend. So we'll be, we'll be watching. We'll be keeping close tabs on it and hoping we can seal another win because that would just get us closer, closer to the title. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, but that wraps it up guys. Another episode together, second one in a long, long time, uh, and it's been good. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and give us your feedback. But we will be back with a new episode next week at some <laughs> point. <laughs> uh, Bournemouth Review. Uh, please please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on all podcast providers, Instagram, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chels. But we will be back. But until then, up the Chels. <laughs> The Premier Chels has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Networks broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at FuboTV.com forward slash TPC. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.